Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 1984 movie, The NeverEnding Story. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of a 19-year-old young lady, because I think she will be 19 by the time this one airs. Her birthday is the beginning of September. It'll be a close one, yeah. So she'll be 19. Dang, I'm fucking (laughs) old, y'all. And then there's a 9-year-old and a 3-year-old. Those guys. The the (laughs) 9-year-old. Like, born comedian he we had to watch this movie in chunks uh-huh. because he, there there seems to be a magical target age for this movie and 9 is just a little bit too old for it yeah by halfway through he turned the whole thing into a fucking drinking game <laughs> And every time a character said the nothing yeah. he'd go the nothing <laughs> And I died. I died. It was, it was great. So I was, like, completely, like, surprised by my son enjoying this movie. I put it on on Saturday afternoon, fully expecting him to leave the room and go, like, play video games or whatever. Like, I literally had not planned for him to watch the movie with me. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit of time by myself, to be completely honest with you. But instead, he sat next to me, holding on to the book that I had been reading, which was like a giant Stephen King novel, like... Not, not, not you know, something lady small one. or compact right. or anything, no. He was holding it in his arms as if it was like a stuffed animal for the entire hour and what 37 minutes that Mm -hmm. this movie runs for Mm -hmm. he did not move and i don't know like we have reached a point where this kid who used to sit very calmly through movies now like can't even when it's a movie he's like in love with he did not move a muscle for the entirety of this movie so the movie came out, was released in 1984, mm-hmm. but I believe that I first saw it at five or six in 1985 or 1986 when it was filtered on it down to, you know, home video yeah. release in mm-hmm. the United States. And this movie was very formative for yeah. me personally. So I do think there is a magical age where if you see it, yeah. It's it's very cool. If you're a little too old, apparently it's a drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what ended up happening, too, was um, I turned on the movie and my husband was still downstairs sitting on the couch at that time, too. And as soon as the theme song started, the two of us were just doing that, like, annoying cheese ball things that parents have done for all of time. For time all of eternity. immemorial. <laughs> singing the song. <laughs> we had a little karaoke session. And I was singing into the remote control. Of course. Of course. Classic maneuver. And my son just thought that was the greatest thing ever. That I was using the remote control as a microphone. So it must be the first time he's ever witnessed that. But basically I am like a visionary now. Now... <laughs> You know, there really, there is a threshold where you as a parent are still cool. I think right? that was peak. Right? Like, and, and there's an age too, because he's right at the, five, five mm-hmm. is really great. Five to about eight, because they are old enough to have rational conversations mm-hmm. and you are still cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think he thought I was pretty cool at that moment. Uh-huh. Um, so part of the reason that I'm in love with this theme song is I used to be a really big fan of the pop punk band, A New Found Glory, and they do a really awesome cover of this. They actually have two or three now, um, full albums of just movie soundtrack song covers so like this is on the first one but they also have like my heart will go on and like it ain't me 
it, it's it's great. <laughs> so of course, after the movie, I had to turn that on very loudly. <laughs> so this movie was voted on by my Facebook page as in general of the list of throwback retro movies yeah. that we grew up with that we would like to come back and talk about again. Yeah. Princess Bride won by a very large margin, but we <laughs> thought that was more like holiday precursor. Yeah. Because let's face it, we don't know what the hell is going to be happening in November and December, so it felt like maybe we could give ourselves some good news. We might need a sick day movie then, and A Princess Bride is the ultimate sick day movie, right? It really... It's it's written that way. Yep. It is the sick day movie. Yep. So, yes, especially given... What comes in November, I feel like we may, we, we, we just, we might need good news. Yeah. So, so we planned The Princess Bride. <laughs> this was the clear runner up and we thought, well, this, this seems fun. Yeah. We also got a lot of votes for Goonies and we're going to have to come back to that one in January because it was, will be fun yeah. to yeah, watch I would say again and review. It's funny because those three are definitely like... Right there in mm-hmm. like the formative memory bank of my childhood. Like there are movies, movies that yeah. you sit down and watch, and you're just so familiar with them because you've watched them a hundred and one times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty pretty impressive, all things considered. I would say, especially yeah. when you compare it to its sequel. <laughs> Which, Which has... I've never seen. Okay, so <clears throat> I knew that it existed, and I was talking to my husband about this movie, and I'm like, do we need to review the second or third ones? And he said, no, no, they were trash. <laughs> and I'm like, should I go and watch the second one to refresh my memory? And he said, it has Jonathan Brandis in it. Okay. You should remember it because I had quite the little girl crush on Jonathan Brandis. I think and I was soon just like slightly that, too young for Jonathan Brandis. I, I imagine, yes. But as soon as I heard that, I remembered it and remembered how bad it was. Yeah. And indeed, I went to go and watch the first couple of minutes of it. And I could barely choke through like the first five. I was like, okay, no, this is this is just terrible. And yeah. it cannot be countenanced. Yeah. No. So apparently the the never ending story, this original one, only covers like half of the book that uh-huh. the story is based on. Yeah. And the author of the book was so upset with where like production was going that he tried to get them to stop production or take the name off the movie. And they didn't do either. And then he sued. So <laughs> So then they had to deal with the lawsuit of the whole thing. Which is why, by mm-hmm. the time all that shit was resolved, the original actors were all far too old yeah. to appear in a sequel. Because this was 1984 and the sequel was 1990. Right. And it's really a shame because it's possible the mm-hmm. sequel could have been good if you... And I, I admit, I haven't read the book. Me neither. And that seems like a lapse for me. But I'm assuming that if this is the first half, then we get to the second half of the book in the second movie. And if we do it right, it can be, you know, fairly well done. But it was the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And we'd never seen book-to-film adaptations over a long right. series of things before. Yeah, that wasn't really, like, a <clears throat> thing so much. No, there was no Harry Potter. There were no Marvels. There were none of these long, continuous adaptations, which we now know, with a great deal of money and some continuity contracts, you can make that shit work, Right. right. I mean, you just got to be willing to pay your actors well enough to tie them up for potentially years at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really, 
that's the big part of it. It's the budget to pay the actors for ongoing years at a time. Because when you tie them up for your film, they can't go and make other movies. So that didn't happen here. So we got Jonathan Brandis instead of... So his name was Barrett Oliver. And none of these actors are noteworthy in any way. Did you find anyone that you felt like calling attention to? Well, yeah, the dad, Gerald McRae. Okay. Major he dad. He was the only one, yes. Married to Delta Burke. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's it. And he's in the movie for like five seconds. And mm-hmm. the extent that he's in the movie is just for the single most disgusting breakfast on the history of the planet. Oh, he takes my God. That blended raw egg. <laughs> a raw egg and orange juice. And that's what he eats for breakfast. <laughs> This was a really common, like, protein drink was in the really? 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just this the was, egg and orange This juice? is your at-home um, orange pre-workout. Julius. Pre-workout. Right. And if you do it right with the egg and the orange juice and you blend it, then it whips up? Well, yeah. So I actually am a huge fan of like a whiskey sour made with lemon juice and egg white. But just the thought of adding the yolk into the mix, really, because that'll keep it from frothing. We don't care. (laughs) We don't care. It's the protein. And it was the 80s. (laughs) Like, we didn't care about salmonella. We didn't care about babysitters. No one cared where this child was for a full full 48 hours. Oh, my gosh. It was the 80s. Major dad. Oh, God. I can't can't even. (laughs) And I feel like, too, um, wasn't he also... He's in House of Cards and Deadwood, too. Yes. In Jericho. And This Is Us. Mm-hmm. You definitely know who he is. Like, he is a guy that you must be aware of, I'm sure. I want to mistake him for Dabney Coleman, at least in several <laughs> things, though. So, I, I, we'll just stick with Major Dad. So... But then we have... Oh, uh, yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. No, he's less of a comedic actor than Dabney Coleman. Yeah. Dabney Coleman is the boss in 9 to 5 for... Right. For the sake of this conversation. <laughs> so we had Noah Hathaway as Atreyu, who was also on the original Battlestar Galactica. If you're an old nerd like I am, he was boxy. You should know him. Other than that, um... Oh, Deep Roy. He plays the Oompa Loompas in the Tim Burton uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. Okay. He's the, He plays the little guy with the snail. Okay. His name is Teeny Weenie. But I don't. You probably didn't pick that up because, like, the only uh, names I remember you? are Atreyu, Bastion, um, Artax, and the childlike empress which they never refer to her as the childlike empress in the movie no and so i seem to recall in the days before google trying to ascertain what bastion had named the yes. empress as so apparently like that an was actual like, thing okay yeah, i'm glad it's not that just was me. that was very ambiguous apparently pre like subtitles in google right because but, now it's moonchild mm-hmm. but, but it's i don't ever remember it being moonchild so yeah no okay good so um, apparently that's in the book i guess because okay. i looked into that because i'm like moon child his mom's name was moon child well and in german god what would it be in i have no idea german i don't know possibly something a little prettier and less ambiguous is the book originally in german yeah the yeah. book is originally in german okay there's more to this story i feel like <laughs> moon well, and- child 
and and I'll be honest. I actually I thought he was gonna have to scream like Susan. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't speak German well enough anymore to be able to translate or speak it well. But I know enough of the language to know that there's a lot of things that get lost in English translation. And I feel like this might be just one of those things that it's great in German. <laughs> Falkor, I'm sure, is also like a Germanic word. Oh, maybe it's... Uh, derived from the Japanese fukuruyu. Oh, I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm so, so sorry. Which is a good luck dragon. But it was apparently changed because it's similar to fuck you in English. <laughs> Fuker, I guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could I, I could see eight-year-old boys of the 1980s <laughs> trying to... Oh, yeah. I, I could see it happening. So, Falcor is what we went to instead. Even the nine-year-old did admit that the luck dragon was cool. The luck dragon so, is, like, the coolest thing. So, there are clearly still some things that retain their childlike charm about this film. So you can still visit the the, the studio in Munich <clears throat> where those parts were filmed, um, and you can get your picture taken riding on Falcor in front of, like, a green screen, so, like, you can pretend you're Bastion. In <laughs> any number of situations, I'm sure. But cool. it's also the same studio. I don't know if it was filmed there, but they have the props from Das Boot there, too. Oh, so I see the two seminal German films. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're just terrible. So I'm just terrible. Like, I'm going back to Moonchild, and I feel like a mom that would name her kid Bastion Balthazar Bucks would have a way cooler name than, than Moonchild. Moonchild. I got no answers for Like, you. I want to know what the dad's first name is, but he's just credited as Mr. Bucks. No, in the second movie, he has a name. Oh, he does? So, uh, let's see. Uh, Bucks, Bucks. Oh, no, I guess he's still Mr. Bucks there, too. <laughs> That's... I also like that he's oh, just wait, straight wait, up. Wait. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm not. Re... I'm not on the right page. Oh, okay. Okay, give me a second. Because I'm pretty sure that he has an aim in the second movie. But where did it go? Okay, there it went. The Neverending Story Two. Bastion Bucks. Bastion Balthazar Bucks. Barney Bucks! His name is Barney Bucks. Holy shit. His name is yeah. Barney Bucks. I just can't imagine no. a woman named Moonchild married Barney Bucks. Moonchild named Barney Bucks, and then they named their kid Bastion Balthazar Bucks. Because they wanted him to be bullied in school is really the only thing I can... I, I mean... Bastion Balthazar Bucks is totally a Mary Sue main character title, like, name, right? Like It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. You couldn't just name him Steve? No. Or, like, a ger like the German equivalent to, like, Steve? <laughs> no, that would be, that would be way too easy. Way too easy. Okay, <clears throat> so let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's. First, we have to start with the theme song. Turn oh, yeah. around me. Oh, God. Do, do, do. With the microphone. Y'all yeah. can't see it, <laughs> but she may as well be holding up the remote control <laughs> and singing into it right now. <laughs> Did you watch um, Stranger Things? 
I did not. Oh, because this song is prominent in the most recent is season. It? Yeah. Yeah. I keep. So, I confess that I actually have a hard time with a lot of the Netflix originals, and I feel bad about it. Yeah. But there are a number of them that I'll watch the first episode or two of and go, well, this is fine. Yeah. But it's not ever enough to keep me coming back oh, for. Oh, no. I love Stranger Things. I will, I will give it, like... I feel like it's really uh, relevant, too, because it's, like, a journey. Like, it's, it's like, very Goonies, like, of that time, especially I, the first season. I want to like it, mm -hmm. just like I want to like Dark, too, mm -hmm. which I, I feel is relevant because it is in German. Yeah. And, like, this... I, I mean, now let's be real. It's Reddit, so those people are already insane as all hell. <laughs> but they've got, like, notes and shit. And that's oh, really? my kind of show. <laughs> like, the idea of a show where you have to take notes to, yeah. to be able to follow it. Oh, yeah. I mean... Were you a big fan of Lost <clears throat> then? I was a big fan of Lost. Have you watched... I had notes for Lost. Have you watched The Leftovers? No, I have not watched uh, The Leftovers. I just finished The Leftovers. I will... I will it took me, like, multiple too. years to get through the first season, and then I binged the second and third seasons in, like, no time. So. But, <clears throat> I mean, I had Days of Our Lives notes when I was in middle <laughs> school. So, the shows where we have to take notes, they're right up my alley, and yet I can't... And it's something about Netflix shows. Like, if I can't get into it past, I, I haven't been able to finish Umbrella Academy. Oh, I love Umbrella Academy. I haven't. There, there's quite a few of them that I've just not been able to Given get past, like, on? the second or oh, third episode. That's a bummer. And I don't, I, I, I'm sure part of it's me. But the only thing I've actually successfully finished it, since quarantine started was... Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, hey, that's an accomplishment. So, yeah, I, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Bastion <clears throat> Bucks and his In the dad Bernie. <laughs> yes. Well, for, like, can we please just talk about poor Bastion's home life? Because talk about bleak, right? His, so mom, his mom died. mom just died. He, like... His dad is the epitome of, like, checked out, right? Oh, yeah. And he doesn't, like, typically in this kind of a story, the kid has some, like, a, a sibling or a caretaker or somebody who loves him. Right? <laughs> right? Bastion doesn't have anybody. He has books. I feel so bad for him. I personally could relate to on a I, very deep level at yes the yeah. age where i saw this movie because mm -hmm. i was still an only child mm. and my parents already hated each other by that point in time mm -hmm. so there was always a lot of fighting so i read books mm -hmm. so this movie was yeah pretty important to me in oh. that way i just feel so bad for him this poor lonely kid you like know I, like at least matilda had her teacher right Bastion has nothing. And, like, even the guy who un runs the bookstore, I wouldn't no, call him friendly. No, he's kind of a jerk. He's an no, asshole. No. He's kind of a jerk, although I think there is something deliberate about that action. Oh, there absolutely is. Like, this, he knew what he was doing here. Mm -hmm. But, like, just but it give doesn't this make kid Bastion some, any less alone. This kid needs some warmth. Like, right. And then even through the telling of the story, he doesn't get that. Uh -uh. There's no communal experience for him. He's no, still the outsider reading the, world, the story. Right? Poor Bastion Bucks. <clears throat> you know, and I think that the cyclical, never-ending story nature of it the part that probably the author objected to being removed was where that showed back up in his life mm -hmm. because the second movie is where he goes back mm -hmm. to Fantasia and gets to be there. Okay. And do things in that world. 
Okay. Which is where where he becomes the story and in so doing gets to, you know, like have a life and an okay. experience of some okay. kind. And 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 I think that part of the story was kind of missing yeah. from this first movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like if you really think about it, it's very bleak for Bastion. Oh yeah. And it, even if you look at how they all come back, mm-hmm. it's bleak for everybody in this fucking mm-hmm. film. Everybody dies. It doesn't work out well, except for it. Co- they come back, mm-hmm. but they still all die in the first place. And I'm sorry if there's not an entire fucking generation <laughs> just traumatized <laughs> by Artax's death. Oh, I right? know. Yes. <laughs> the death in the swamp of sorrows like i it's uh, it's so deep like i <laughs> it's so deep it, like it's right up there with um uh optimus prime dying mm-hmm. and like <laughs> like fuck the early <laughs> memories of my childhood are very much based on movies and film yeah when cobra commander took his mask off like that was a <laughs> formative moment in my childhood yeah <laughs> yeah when a train loses our tax and in the swamp tra- of sorrows. oh yeah and so at this point in time when i see that scene i do not cry because i have seen this movie so many times that i have hardened myself yes. to those particular tears right this movie has like prepared me for life <laughs> oh man <laughs> i agree though so what I was watching then, when that particular scene was going yep. on, was how my children yep. were reacting. Mm-hmm. And they were both, you know, the three-year-old is three-year-old. So yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't fucking care. But the nine-year-old and the 18-year-old mm-hmm. were sat there going, is he really dead? Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, this is in my family where we have a unfortunately yeah. intimate relationship right, with death right. and how death works. Yeah. And we have had to have some fairly fucking traumatic conversations about right. that over the years. And it was still enough to get them both, is he really dead? Mm-hmm. To which I had to respond, watch the rest of the movie. Because mm-hmm. in this case, it really watched the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, and I still can't honestly answer that. Is he really dead? I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Does he really die? Is it a different horse that comes back at the end? Like, what determines who gets to come back at the end? Right? Because, like, Teeny Weeny and... Uh, Night Hob are back, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, what's the Rock Crusher's name? Is oh, it just the Rock Rockbiter? Rockbiter, I think it is Rockbiter. Just Rockbiter. He tells you that like when he runs into um, Atreyu at the end, that they got eaten up by the nothing. Mm-hmm. So, but it seems to me that our tracks didn't get eaten by the nothing no he He died died in in the the swamp swamp. of sorrows so i don't think he came back except he had to have come back because that was artax maybe it was artax's brother i mean right (laughs) and there's other questions here too so if they're all coming back because bastion remembers them does he also remember the what the hell is the name of the thing? Gamoric. The Gamoric, right. Does he remember the Gamoric? Does he choose to forget the Gamoric because we don't want the bad character? Like, and there's a lot there that, yeah. for me as a kid, that whole sequence in the ruins where mm-hmm. we're looking at the paintings, mm-hmm. that's a very significant for me. I... Like, this movie is the first movie that I know for a fact my kid deeply connected with the actual story of, and that's what brought him into the movie. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't just watching it because there were fun things happening on the screen every 15 minutes, right? 
No, because there aren't actually fun things happening on the screen every 15 minutes. He was involved in the story. And when that... And I totally kind of forgot, like, the revelation of that at the end. That, like, Mm -hmm. the story is the book that he's reading. But Bastion is making the story happen by reading the book. And then they, like, bring the viewer in, too. Mm -hmm. That blew his mind. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, for me, as a child, having some initiation into magical thinking, Mm -hmm. this then was confirmation of the idea of foretelling. Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful lesson to learn, Mm -hmm. that some things are preordained. Mm-hmm. That some things happen whether we want them to happen or not. Mm-hmm. And God, those are profound fucking lessons to be teaching a five year old yeah, right. at any point in time, especially if we're not fully finishing the story. Right. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I was kind of leading him at that point, too. Like, as the pictures were coming up, I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting. I wonder why these pictures are Mm -hmm. here if, you know, this just happened to Atreyu. How are these pictures here? And whatever, obviously. That's how you teach a kid, right? You can't. (laughs) But still, like, it's still, he was like, what? You're doing a much better job than I am laughing at the drinking game. (laughs) Nothing. Only because They're he nothing. made it easy this one They're time. <laughs> Only because he made it easy this one time. And um, the, two, we were we are also like really trying to get him, um, motivated to try reading. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves books. Like he loves us to read books to him. He every night like <laughs> he sits down with a book. Right now, it's the Dogman series. Do you know anything uh, about it? It's the same guy who oh. wrote Captain Underpants. Oh, okay. 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 So he sits we're, down. We're fans of the underpants in this okay. household. So same idea. Um, it's written by the same two characters, uh, George and uh, I can't, you know, it's the story. Captain Underpants is a story within a story. And right. so is Dogman. There, it's it's a comic book written by these two elementary school kids. Got it. Okay. Um, so it's a comic book style. So we've read him the entire series like endless times. So at night he sits down at bedtime with the book and he reads it to himself while he records his podcast. <laughs> Oh, the apple never falls far from the tree. Uh, (laughs) My nine-year-old is convinced he's going to be a YouTube star. Yeah, right. And I have a difficult time dissuading him as I have a podcast (laughs) and a YouTube channel. Right, right. And I'm launching a new live podcast (laughs) on YouTube. And I'm like, well, I can't really tell you that you can't make a career as a YouTube star because apparently I'm doing it. So, But we can't all be Zebra Gamer. (laughs) No, no, we cannot all be Zebra Gamer. <laughs> Holy So crap. anyways, I try to like use this as motivation for him to start wanting to read. Yes. Like when you read a story, this is what happens in your mind. You are experiencing the story like Bastion is experiencing oh, the hey, story. Oh, hey, that's great. <laughs> let, let, we'll have to come back and see how well that particular line of thinking works. Because, fuck yeah, turn that into a course or something, baby. <laughs> that is the perfect segue, though, into this fucking school. Like. Does it jive with your educational experience? At I all? can't I'm... imagine a kid just not showing up to school. I mean, even in the eighties, yeah, yeah, I they would have called like your parents, was, right? Some because they still took like attendance. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ferris Bueller style. Mm-hmm. Bueller, mm-hmm. Bueller. That yeah. so this may be I I like. German? German is, is all I can think. 
I don't know. Do we have any German listeners out there? Do you think you could have gotten away with this? Uh, I'm just In curious. 1984, yeah. it requires a certain age, I, I mean, a, a certain age bracket, in a certain location, at yeah. a certain time. There's a lot of variables there, but certainly for me, this was not no. close to my... Granted, I wished that oh, I could sure. <laughs> run away to some attic somewhere and spend full two Fuck days yes. reading. Absolutely. Yes. That was like my dream. But, but man, I couldn't even run away to the library without right. having to get a hall pass for right. it. Right. Yeah. I just, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad it's not just me because I was feeling like that was, even for the 1980s, a little more extreme than yeah. my education. Okay. So there's two parts of this movie that I had always kind of confused in my head with other movies. Okay. Okay. So the first is The Sphinx. Right. Looks just like the um the Ark in Indiana Jones. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Doesn't it? The one that melts the Nazis. Right, right. The Ark of the Covenant. Right. I'm pretty Which sure... Which is an actual historical, yes, thing. But do but... we know what it looked like? Oh, you're asking tough questions there. So the Ark of the Covenant has not been actually seen, even in any historical biblical sense, since well before the time of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we're not sure where it went, whether it... And, and when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, we're also talking about early Jewish tribes, okay. which is a whole nother ball of wax and so tribalism, it, and there's all sorts of bullshit there. Yeah. The clear answer is no. We don't know what the Ark of the Covenant has ever looked like. Okay. So it looks like just in popular culture, it's represented as two figures with wings. Mm -hmm. um, we and have I think, descriptions of right. what the Ark looked like. So, and sometimes those wings are like arcing toward each other in the very similar way that mm -hmm. the um, the sphinxes are. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I still to this day confused, like I obviously will remember now that this isn't the case, but when we sat down to watch it this time, I was still kind of trying to figure out in my head, but the characters of um, doo -doo 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 -doo, Urgle and Angiwook, the scientist and his wife. I get that confused with the character that Billy Crystal plays. I mean, it's in hard the not Bride. to. It's hard not yeah, to. Right. There are some similarities there. Okay. Miracle Max. Is... Yes, yes. Okay. So that's just where, you know, and. It's par partially because they are so similar, and it's partially because, like, I was young when I watched all these movies, and, and so it just... old magicians kind of blend together, <laughs> because there's an old magician in Willow, too, mm -hmm. that I would argue right. is of the same vein. Yeah, and it was definitely memory... a trope at that mm -hmm. point in time. Mm -hmm. So... I love when he goes up into his... I, what does he call it? The thing with the crystals that he goes and looks at the sphinxes with. Mm -hmm. And he goes up in his little yeah, basket. The, the little telescope with the little yeah. basket. Oh, yeah. That's... That whole scene is... And... I... I have to say that scene, too, for me, changed upon rewatch. Mm -hmm. I remember it being pretty scary. Okay. Like... That whole sequence there is obviously terrifying if yeah. you don't know the outcome or right. that Atreyu is fine. Uh, you know, and part of it, too, is that vast, like, emptiness of right. where they are is unsettling. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that, I get that feeling about all of Fantasia. Like, the entirety of Fantasia is unsettling to me. Right. It's a lot of 
empty space. Yeah, because you really don't come across a lot of characters. There's not a lot of people. There's no settlements. There's right. a lot of... And, and I mean, we've talked about travelogues at length, but yeah. here is yet another mm-hmm. travelogue in the sense that we're going from place to place, mm-hmm. and in these place to places, it's just a lot of the nothing. Right, it's, it's more of like Cormac McCarthy's but... The Road than like <clears throat> The Wizard yeah. of Oz. <laughs> right? Right? There's it's a lot empty. of... Nothing. Right, and desolation, and in this movie, in most places, it's meant to be desolate, it feels like, that the nothing has sucked up all life, and so what's left is the empty land, and finally that goes too. Mm -hmm. I feel like... That was probably articulated better in the book. Right. But that's my sense of things, is that the nothing sucked up the people first. So the people went first, and then... And then the land went, so that at the end, what we were left with was... Empty space. Empty space, and a floating temple in the sky for Mm. the Empress, right? The ivory tower is left because they wished for it. Mm -hmm. Not even because it was actually there, but because they wished to find it. Right. in a land of wishes, that's what matters, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I think is probably something else that... There's a lot of magic and mysticism here mm-hmm. that was probably better explained in the book. And now that we are having this conversation, I will probably go and buy the book. Yeah. Because I have feel to let like me know. there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. We'll see if it's actually age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Do we have, we have, we haven't really talked about Atreus' age, which to me now as an adult, that a kid's movie would feature a child hero mm-hmm. is totally unremarkable. Mm-hmm. But at the time, mm-hmm. it felt pretty remarkable, didn't it? Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, my son kept calling Atreus she, and I was like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Interesting. Female hero. We'll go with it. <laughs> the, hair, the hair, probably. And the prepubescent, like, right? you know, ambiguity of what that child is. Um, but also, he told me after the fact that he really liked how the movie was, like, cartoon characters, but in real life. So, like... The That's rock a biter. fascinating assessment. Yeah. And, yeah. So I'm really interested to have him watch some of the um, Jim Henson Creature Studio. What do they call it? The Jim, you know, the Jim Henson mm-hmm. movies. So, like, we're not going to watch The Dark Crystal because I find that terrifying. But some of the other, like, fantasy Jim Henson stuff. Well, we're going to be doing the Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Well, he loves Muppets, but I'm saying, like, more but in line with, is, like, yeah. there's, like, that was a whole big genre mm-hmm. at this time period. Because you had, like, Willow, you had the Dark Crystal, you had that movie with Tom Cruise, Legend. Um, you right? had Labyrinth, which Labyrinth, we've talked right. about how fucking terrifying <laughs> I found that movie to be. And not... Because of David Bowie's pants. Although certainly, <laughs> at least talk in about, part. Talk about, it, like, formative moments. Right? David, David Bowie's, Bowie's pants. pants. <laughs> but, but no, actually, what terrified me about that movie were the creatures. Yeah. Because they were, yes, and here, too, there's a realism to them mm-hmm. that is almost believable. Mm-hmm. When you are a small child, you can look at them and go... Hmm, yeah. I could see that being real. And right. then it shows up in your dreams. Mm-hmm. And then it shows up under your bed. Right. right. We have whole movies based around this concept. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's just because this is what we watched growing up. But 
I feel like these t- this type of like creature creation has a realism to it that like was very believable no matter how hokey sometimes the um actual like the the animation and effects and mm-hmm. and they're separate arenas because yes for my kids there was definitely a lot of hokiness mm-hmm. in this they at the end of it both confessed that it was in fact actually mom a good movie even if i had to bribe them with multiple bowls of popcorn and <laughs> snacks to get them to sit through it yeah it was in fact a good movie but there were i mean honestly at, at this age in this time those effects can be pretty jarring because right. they are not good right Right, like the speeding snail. Oh, no. Not good at all. But the story is good enough. Mm-hmm. And the... And, man, and I come back to Falcor, mm-hmm. who is so totally unrealistic. Yeah. But cute and lovable and mm-hmm. real enough that you want him. Yeah. And in the wanting him is some other kind of realism, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I like the way you put that. Yeah, I know I wanted a Falcor. Who doesn't oh, want a luck dragon? Yeah. Come Who on. Who doesn't want a luck dragon? I'm still I, looking for a luck dragon. Right? I'm waiting for my luck dragon and my letter <laughs> from Hogwarts. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Still to this day at 40 years old, <laughs> waiting for these things. They're not coming. But I'll be waiting for them anyway. Yeah. And I think, like, Morla struck that note for me, too. Even though, like, man, 1984 animation of a grumpy old turtle was left something wanting, and yet still I could see her there. She -hmm. was real. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, we've talked about most of the good characters. We've talked, I I guess, really what we're left with then is Gamork. We're left with this ending and the possibility of it and what that actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Mork was terrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although he didn't age that well. And And... The nine-year-old was like... That's a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Am I supposed to be afraid of that? He literally asked, am I supposed to be afraid of that? Is that the bad guy? I'm like, yes, that's the bad guy. Like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog? (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but by the end... He really was into the story of it. Yeah, right. And and when they're in the ruins having mm-hmm. that whole conversation about how he lost Atreyu in the swamps. Yep. And, and, and like, I could see some actual enthusiasm for the coming battle that mm-hmm. was about to happen, right? There was... It's an interesting... We don't talk to our kids very often about those kinds of pre-ordination or mm-hmm. predestination type things, and we often leave them up to the films entirely to have these conversations about the mystical and the magical. Right. And I feel like that's maybe a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think that that really, like, my, my kid didn't necessarily get it for that like he didn't he's not no, he's at that five level. right he's five but at nine i have now fielded at least two separate conversations in the way that you do with nine-year-olds mm-hmm. like i often feel like i am calvin's mom <laughs> and i grew up with calvin and hobbs and that was a very It was very formative for me, that Mm -hmm. comic strip. Like, I read Calvin every day. The Sunday strips got saved and taped into a fucking book. I was a diehard Calvin and Hobbes fan because I wanted Hobbes to be real. Mm -hmm. 
as an adult then, reading through that comic strip, I am Calvin's mom. Mm -hmm. And my Calvin has a stuffed puppy that is near as Hobbs as he's ever going to get being a blue dog instead of a striped tiger. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have conversations with that fucking thing as though it is an animate object. Mm -hmm. And I am Calvin's mom. And now, on reflection, I look at some of those conversations that Calvin and Hobbes have about life and Mm -hmm. the universe. And I'm like, we're not doing a very good job preparing our children for these conversations. Yeah, I mean, we've all kind of been, like, knocked, like, for a loop when your kid asks some random existential question and then you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes I, like, I'm perfectly willing to admit I don't have the all, all of the answers. Mm-hmm. I am happy to Google mm-hmm. that for yeah. you. Yeah. Let's see what Google says, and then I can follow up. Right. Yep. I am happy to be there for the follow-up questions, but let's try Google first. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. But I think that there's there's a lot of room here for those conversations and the ability to have those conversations. And like I said, we've had a lot of unfortunate existential conversations in my household because of circumstances. But I do feel this movie will probably engender them if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a good opening. And I think that's kind of what we're looking for, mm-hmm. right? With any kid it's what's the way in to have a better conversation because the mind of children is a fucking mystery that i do not have any answers to and the way they all think is Mm -hmm. i mean three kids they all think fun now two of them are on the spectrum Mm -hmm. one of them is adhd so none of them are neurotypical Mm -hmm. but none of them think in remotely the same way right and they don't have the same quirks and they don't ask things in the same way either Mm -hmm. so i'm never i don't ever feel like i have the advantage right when it comes to how it is we have to have this conversation today when i get asked about sex or dead Mm -hmm. things or life or babies or like i'm i never have the upper hand right here ever yeah that's parenting though no that is parenting (laughs) so we use these movies right to try and guide the waters like right steer them in a direction where you can feel smart because Mm -hmm. you know the answers to these questions that's that's what I look at it, right? Yep. Okay. Well, at least we're on the same page on that one. <laughs> so, all right. Let's talk about... Obviously, we have trained ourselves not to die, or not to cry, when our tax dies. Right. But, but that's still... Do we cry in other places in this film? No, I but sure I just... Did feel terrible for Bastion the whole movie Mm -hmm. and it just feels so empty everything feels so empty even as we were laughing Mm -hmm. about the repeated nothings Mm -hmm. because it really was funny it's like a movie about depression it really is it's like this is what depression is like for Mm -hmm. kids and this is how we have the conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's valuable right now. Mm-hmm. Our children are going through things that we didn't have to go through, certainly. Mm-hmm. I have very little actual relevant experience when it comes to talking to my kids about living through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And when my nine-year-old insists that there will be a vaccine soon and that everything will go back to normal, 
it's tough to say, hey, I'm not sure that that's actually going to be the case. Mm-hmm. It's tough to, I, I mean, there might be a vaccine. It might work. It might go back to normal. Or we might have a bunch of idiots not take a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. feel like that's a conversation I can't have with the nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. But I still have to have it with the 19-year-old. Right. Who, on the same level, is like, what the fuck is going on? Why can't I have a birthday party? Mm-hmm. Because she's still a fundamentally a kid. Right. And doesn't understand that everything has changed now. And she can't just have a party where her friends come over. Right. And we all have cake. Because that's what you do when you're 19 years right. old. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know how to have these conversations with our kids any more than to... Talk about what these kids go through in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, that that's what we got here. Yeah. Because. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, there's no game plan for this. Mm-mm. No, and they're having all of these feelings and experiences that really deserve to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. It's. It's really important to me that I continue to have these conversations with my kids mm-hmm. about what quarantine looks like. And again, we homeschool. We've always been hermits. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our day-to-day life hasn't changed. And yet, there's still this overhanging right. thing. But you were probably still supplementing your homeschool with outings that you can't oh, do Oh, right like now. the right. zoo right. that we don't go to yeah. now. And the pool mm-hmm. that they've all been very unhappy with me. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we going to the pool this summer? It's pool time. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we... I'm sorry, children. I don't feel comfortable taking you to a public pool mm-hmm. where I can't guarantee that anyone will be masked. Right. That one is just a little bit too far out mm-hmm. of line for us. And we've already had coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that we have to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. I can't... I can't hide from the fact that my kids are experiencing very real traumatic things in their lives Mm -hmm. right now. I don't think that any of us can. And the only way that I know how to encourage those conversations is this. Through movies, yeah. Yep. This, we played a drinking game, and then (laughs) we talked about what it was like to be in the nothing. We've Mm -hmm. talked about it several times since then. Both the nine-year-old and the 18-year-old. It's, it's been actual conversations. And I will always come back to the fact that film and movies encourage those things. Mm-hmm. In a visual, pictorial way that even books don't always do mm-hmm. for kids. Because they can't see them. Right. I don't know if there's a book for surviving the pandemic, but right now, the nothing feels pretty close to reality, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Our like, talks! We yeah. never talked about the fact that Atreyu yells every line. Oh, man. <laughs> So that's poor Noah Hathaway, who I <laughs> probably not the best child actor. I don't of think all he time. did like anything else. Oh well, you said he was on Battlestar Galactica. He was. He was a little older for that one. Okay. But I kind of <laughs> feel like, and and I'd have to, I'd have to actually rewatch. But upon. Just slight reflection, I'm going to guess that he was a yeller in that one, too. (laughs) There was a lot of yelling in Battlestar Galactica. Either, any version, really. Pick a version, there's yelling. Which explains probably why it's such a favorite of mine. (laughs) But, yeah, look. I think, obviously, your five-year-old liked it. 
My three-year-old was afraid of... Everything. Yeah, I mean, he kind of ran to the stairs. So, my TV's on the wall, and there's a staircase upstairs that goes behind it. So, he is free to check out Mm -hmm. at any point in time. Like, if it gets scary, he just goes and sits on the stairs and listens instead. Mm -hmm. Which he spent a fair amount of this movie when he wasn't stealing popcorn (laughs) on the stairs. But aside from the drinking game, <laughs> which I have to admit is very much how my nine-year-old deals with a lot of things. <laughs> like, can we make a game out of it? Yeah. He is going to be my stand-up comic. There is very little doubt about that. And yeah, we, we all actually really enjoyed it. My husband and I mm-hmm. watched it again, you mm-hmm. know, and enjoyed it. It's a good movie. It's still a favorite around Mm -hmm. here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, like, reflection, my son admitted that it was scary. I don't know if I'd be able to get him to watch it again, but I'll still be amazed that he sat down and watched it the way he did the first time. There's there's something really, I think, magical about that, and I think Mm -hmm. it really is the age. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I was right around that same age, five or six, and I was just wrapped. Yeah. And so it will be... No, I don't think I sat and watched it straight through a second time for many years after that. But the story was very meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so you got a final score out of five? I'm going to give it a three. Wow. I expected better from you. It's just unsettling. It's unsettling for me. Okay. I think I'll go with four. Okay. Simply because some of it has not technically aged. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. The story has aged just fine. Yeah. But the pieces that haven't aged, I looked at it and went, wow, we were a wild and crazy bunch in the 80s, (laughs) were we not? And even though this was in West Germany and we were American, we still watched this and went, yeah, this seems perfectly normal. Yeah, so I have no questions here. I, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I suspect... Now, I have come back to The Princess Bride many, many, many times Mm -hmm. as an adult and find that it has aged just fine. Yes. I have come back to The Goonies several times, and though there's some questionable stuff in it, more or less, that movie has aged well, too. Yeah, I would agree. So, it's just this one that, on the balance, I look at and go, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What were we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was still worth coming back to. Yeah, definitely. And this was fun. Yeah. This was fun. Good times. Okay. So, three for you, four for me. Next time around, we are going to be ripping into, because I can't imagine it's going to be a favorable review from either one of us. Shrek, the one and only, because really, the one and only, we're not doing any of the sequels, we're not, uh, (laughs) we might bring them up in the same way that we brought up the sequel to this movie, but rest assured, there will be one green ogre adventure, (laughs) and that will be it. Yes. Because that's about all I can handle. But it does feel time to rip a movie to shreds, does it not? (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I think so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so if you have any feedback for us on this, and I'm sure there's shit that we've missed, because this is a movie with the kind of, like, underground, like, there are people who are fans of this film who I'm sure are mad that we have missed some important detail (laughs) or other because we didn't care that much, but you're welcome to school us. That is 402-885-4875, latchkeymovies at gmail.com, or at latchkeymovies on Facebook or Instagram. 
We post there occasionally. People like us occasionally. Sometimes <laughs> there's fan interaction. You never know. If you are enjoying this here romp down memory lane, please do feel free to shake a donation at us. We are at ko-fi.com slash briar. Most of my fan donations will go to paying our overwhelming server costs because apparently a lot of you like to listen to us on our website, which is bizarre to me because it doesn't update nearly as regularly as <laughs> iTunes does, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we also get a lot of spam comments about how we need to increase our SEO. And let me tell you, it's not getting any better. All right, guys. If you need anything from us, you know where to find us. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.